Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Imagine that you're doing some people watching. You're sitting on a bench downtown or at a shopping mall or at an amusement park, and you're watching the people as they go by. What is it that you see? Well, what is it that you notice? Is it whether they are tall or short, their facial expressions, the clothing that they're wearing, their gait? What is it that you are seeing when you see these people? No doubt each person you see will be unique and they will have different physical features and they will dress a different way and have different things about how they are acting and carrying themselves, all perhaps worth noticing. But do you see souls? When you think of those people, do you realize that there's something so much more important that whether they're tall or short, or whether they're fast or slow, or whether they're fashionable or not, is they have a soul and they will someday stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Think about people that way. And the main thing I want to encourage you to do from our passage today in 2 Corinthians 5 is to see souls, to not just view people as who they are in this world or the details of their physical life, but view them as souls, souls who will be accountable to Christ. Let's look at this in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 11 through 21. And right in the middle of the passage, we see an important phrase, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Thus, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We shouldn't just think about people according to the flesh from a human perspective, particularly here. Speaking of believers, believers are new creations. They are new people. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we need to see people for who they really are. And that's really who they are in Christ or who they are apart from. Christ, if they are not in Christ. And that thought should guide us through this passage. Going back to the beginning of it, verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So yesterday we talked about the fact that we will stand before Christ someday, and there is a comforting aspect of that. The comforting aspect is that it frees you up to not worry about people or their opinions or their actions, that what they might do to you. You can simply focus on pleasing Christ. And if you are a Christian, that should be a comfort. But we also mentioned how that thought should challenge us. Well, today we see more of the challenge that there is the fear of the Lord, that the sober acknowledgement that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Therefore, we persuade others because we know that everybody else we see will also stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And since we know what a weighty moment that will be, we want others to be prepared. And that is what is uh, motivating 
Paul. And he defends himself. Again, you get into some of these asides and you're you're saying, what's going on here with Paul talking about commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. He's talking about the critics and the people causing problems in the church of Corinth. And even the next verse, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Again, he's probably countering accusations of people saying, oh, he's he's out of his mind. Paul's insane. And he's saying, no, I'm, I'm doing this for God. And I care so much because of the fear of the Lord. Uh, that's why I am persuading others. And then we see a critical thought. One of the most critical thoughts I think you can get today uh, from our reading in verses 14 and 15, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So there we see in verse 15, a pretty amazing statement of truth that for Christians, we who live, and now we live in Christ, we shouldn't live for ourselves, but we should live really for Christ because he's the one who for our sake died and was raised. So if you are a Christian, you're not living for yourself, you're living for Christ. But here's the thing I want you to notice about that. What's the context? What does living for Christ look like in the context? It looks like you, like Paul, being involved in this ministry of reconciliation, uh, seeking to persuade others, or what we'll see later, being an ambassador for Christ with the message of reconciliation. So we say, okay, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Christ. You can't live for Christ without concerning yourself with the message and the work of reconciliation. It's impossible. Living for Christ is not something that will only be accomplished by you in your quiet times, although those are important things as you pursue Christ, as you seek his face in those times. If you are living for Christ, there will be an external component of that, of you being involved in the process of reconciliation. And really, that's going to include things like evangelism, discipleship. Really, I'd say even you being involved in your church because uh, churches should be all about this mission, reaching, teaching, and training. So there are a variety of ways even as you pour into your church, even if you're doing something like serving on the tech team, you're still seeking, I'm trying to do a part in this broader picture of the ministry of reconciliation. If I'm uh, serving in student ministry or kids ministry, even there, I, hey, I, I want these kids to know the truth about Christ. So you cannot be concerned with Christ and living for him without a concern for this message of reconciliation, evangelism, discipleship, church ministry, these things should be involved in your life. And we see there at the end, he's talking about this work of reconciliation that Christ is doing. And really we see so many beautiful glimpses of the gospel in the last part of this chapter. It talks about Christ who reconciled to us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. There you see that beautiful phrase, not counting their trespasses against them. That's the beauty of the gospel. 
God is offering forgiveness. Or verse 21 it is one of the most uh, succinct and precise and beautiful kind of summaries really of the gospel message in all of the Bible. For our sake, he, God, made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God treated Christ as if he was sin and all of our sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That is the beautiful exchange that is at the heart of the gospel. Jesus takes our sin. He gives us his righteousness. That's how we are reconciled to God. And then we are in Christ. That's a a big phrase there back in verse 17, which is probably a familiar verse you know, but we think often about the new creation and the old passing away and the new has come. How does that happen if anyone is in Christ? It all flows from being in Christ. So therefore, we want to spread that message to others. We want to see other people be reconciled to God through the gospel. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And they're using a image that translates to today, ambassadors. Uh, you think of our nation and how in the capital cities of uh, just about all the other countries in the world, there is a United States embassy where works the ambassador who represents our country and speaks for our country. Well, you represent Christ and you uh, speak for him when you talk about this message of reconciliation. So I want you to see the souls when you're out in public, as you're walking through your neighborhood, as you're showing up to your church. All the people that you see, they will stand before Christ someday. And your desire should be, I want them to be reconciled. And I want them to grow in holiness. I want them to be ready to give an account for what they have done on that day. Because even here, you see Paul talking about reconciliation as he's writing to a church. Um, So even his concerns about these things are somewhat directed to the church itself. So see not just the externals of people, see the souls, consider the reality of judgment and let that shape your life. And if you are in Christ and you've tasted the wonder of being a new creation, then remember, now you're not supposed to live for yourself. You're supposed to live for Christ and you can't live for Christ without caring about this ministry of reconciliation. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.